90 days. That's it. That'll really give people a chance to see a different side of me. You do realize how important this franchise is to the studio, though. I do, and it's important to me, too. I could give you 65 days. Will that help? Enormously. Hello! Yes, welcome back, everybody, to Oh Yeah, Oh Yeah, the Entourage Podcast. I am your host, J.R. Hickey, coming to you from San Francisco, California. Every Monday morning, we are breaking down a new episode of the acclaimed HBO dramedy, Entourage. This week, we are breaking down one of my sneaky favorite episodes, Crash and Burn, episode 5 from season 3 of Entourage. We have a great guest joining us this week. Meredith Hadrity is the deputy editor for Vox.com's website, The Goods. She spends all day writing and talking about purchases. So what better episode to have her on than in the episode where Vinny buys his boys three Aston Martins. This is one of those under-the-radar episodes that really holds a special place in my heart. There's the Aston Martins, Paul Haddis, Penny Marshall. Vince finally tells Terrence at Warner's to go fuck himself. Meredith was a great guest. Always great to get the female perspective on the show because, believe it or not, there were female viewers of the show. There are female fans of the show. So, looking forward to having her back on sometime soon. Guys, I'll keep this intro short, but if there is someone that you want to hear on the podcast as a guest, let me know. DM me, at JR, we'll do it on Instagram and Twitter, or at oh yeah Pod on Instagram and Twitter. If you're not following any of those accounts, go do that now. Obviously, we're working to get the main cast and crew from the show on. That is in the works. That will happen. I promise you that. But in this kind of week-to-week grind, who's a funny online personality, media personality, sports personality, or comedian that you'd love to hear talk about Entourage? Let me know. I'll reach out through the proper channels. We'll try to get them on. Thanks to everyone that's left five-star reviews. Super fucking helpful. If you haven't yet and you're enjoying the podcast, please leave us a five-star review in your podcasting app. And don't forget to listen to the Oh Yeah, Oh Yeah music playlist. The link to listen to that on Spotify is in the show notes of today's episode. So without further ado, let's dive into Crash and Burn with Meredith Hatterty. Hope you had a great weekend. Happy anniversary to my wife. She is not a listener. She instead has to sit there and watch me watch episodes of Entourage and take notes and talk to myself. So... That happy anniversary was just for me, I guess. All right, we are back. I'm super excited to welcome in our guest this week. She is the former senior editor of Rat.com, and she is the current deputy editor of The Goods by Vox.com. Dialing in from New York City, Meredith Hadrity, welcome to the Entourage podcast. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you for being here. I did my research, and so so The Goods is a site that highlights what we buy, why we buy it, and why it matters. So how appropriate is it that in this episode that we're talking about today, Vince buys his friends three Aston Martins? It's true. Yeah, it's very uh, on brand for us. I will say, like, doing this work has made me think that buying stuff is the worst. <laughs> uh, but that actually, I, I mean, like, I don't know if you want to segue right into it, but that is that my favorite moment from the episode, uh, like, was... A sort of socialist moment that Vince had. Awesome. Let's let's get to it. I want to I want to quickly talk about you and your entourage experience. When did you right. first start watching the show? When did you did you start watching it from the beginning? Did you watch it all the way to the end? What is your relationship with the show? So I'll say so. I watched it um, in the beginning, like way back when, way mm-hmm. way way back when, and I don't remember when I fell off, but it was probably around season like four maybe somewhere in there like I, I watched season three back in you know whatever year like 2006 oh my god <laughs> <laughs> i was just a baby then um watching entourage inappropriately but um yeah probably fell off around then and then um when i when i got to be an adult um one of my really close friends who was like a woman who would you would not necessarily imagine as a big entourage fan it turns out is the biggest entourage fan <laughs> and watched all of it and as a result like I saw the movie in theaters. That's like, great. Uh, it's, yeah, we talk about it all the time. I feel partially like I'm here in her honor, just, uh, you know, holding, pouring one out for Kelly, who deserves to be on the podcast so much more than I do. Uh, but I don't know if she's willing to, like, shout her love from the rooftops because she's <laughs> a lady. But I'm not. And I will tell you that Kelly, my friend you don't know, loves Entourage. Shout out to Kelly. Kelly, thanks for listening if you're listening to the pod. Yeah, thanks for keeping it in my life, girl. Thanks for keeping Entourage alive for me. We are talking today about episode five in season three, Crash and Burn. Before we dive in, let's talk about who directed this episode, Meredith, because I know Mm -hmm. it's someone of of importance to both Hollywood and to you. 
Yeah, it's it's Patty Jenkins, the director of Wonder Woman, which is like wild. How crazy is that? It's uh, I'll say I was then like, oh, is this going to like, you know, will Vince walk across no man's land and slow motion <laughs> and like look really shiny? And that didn't happen exactly. But there were some cool shots of cars driving into a camera. So good job, Patty Jenkins. Yeah, she also directed the film Monster, starring Charlize Theron. She's directing the upcoming Wonder Woman movie, Wonder Woman 1984. She's been nominated for an Emmy for Outstanding Directing for The Killing. She actually uh, directed two Entourage episodes. This is one of two. So really kind of a nice note that she's uh, gone on to these huge box office film redefining things. And her career kind of started hanging out with the boys in uh, Hollywood. It's true. Well, I mean, I guess you would also probably need uh, a director who, if not already famous, is going to be someday famous to direct director Paul Haggis, who's in this episode, which... Like, that's going to be a lot of pressure to be like, yeah. this is, you know, how to say your line. Patty Jenkins taught Paul Haddis how to act, apparently. <laughs> um, well, let's get into it. Let's talk about this episode really quick. I like to do a um, little time capsule for the, the time period in which this episode aired. I think you'll appreciate this one. Sometimes my facts are a little more off the wall or not as pertinent to our desk, but this one will probably resonate with you, I hope, mm-hmm. given your line of work. So this episode aired on July 9th, 2006. Just two days later, News Corp's MySpace.com surpassed Yahoo Mail to become the most no- the number one most visited website in the United States. Oh, congratulations, MySpace. It worked out so well. I did my deep dive on, on uh, MySpace. I, I'm a little on the younger side where I didn't ever have a MySpace. I only had a Facebook. But turns out that Zuckerberg offered to buy MySpace in 2005 for $75 million, and they rejected it because at the time, they were leading uh, all social networks in traffic. They didn't think they'd fail. Oh, the hubris. Unfortunately, <laughs> spoiler alert, they failed. <laughs> I, I, was, I hadn't gotten to that part yet, but okay, fine. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Spoiler. Do you know what's interesting? And this was the last fun fact. Um, the last company that they were acquired by, they were acquired by Time Inc. in 2016. The last company to acquire them just last year, 2018, was a company called the Meredith Corporation. You're welcome, guys. Meredith, are you the owner of MySpace.com? You know, I think we're really going to turn it around this year. I think <laughs> 2019 is MySpace under my rules here. Rule is what you call it when you own a company, right? That's the way they yeah. it. Yeah, under my rule. I've been doing a great job with Meredith Corp. Yeah. Unfortunately, back in May 2016, before you acquired it, the data for almost 360 million MySpace accounts was offered for sale on the dark web. So I guess that was probably why the uh, valuation plummeted. The, you know, I needed to recoup some money. So I just went on the dark web and tried to Made sense. Yeah, I get it. You're you're a businesswoman. It's it's fine. Exactly. Thank you. Let's talk about, uh, let's talk about this episode. Um, Quick recap. With help from Ari and Eric, Vince puts the heat on the studio to delay Aquaman 2 so he can film his dream project, Medean. They manage to buy a 65-day window, but Medean director Paul Haddis can't see himself chopping his script or trimming the shooting schedule. Eric comes up with a solution, convincing the director to shoot part of the script after Aquaman, and everyone's happy. Vince sets up a meeting with the head of Warner Brothers to tell him the good news. They're all in for a surprise when Vince meets with the studio head who has changed his mind on Medean. Beside himself, Vince demands $20 million to do the sequel. Meanwhile, Ari is still preoccupied with his daughter's burgeoning romance with Max Ballard. Turtle requests to sit down with Ari when Sidon starts getting heavy play on the radio. And when Drama calls Shotgun on Turtle's lunch with Ari, he finally gets Mr. Gold Standard to agree to represent him. Meredith, what was your favorite moment from this episode? Um, I feel like I have a weird one because I was trying, I was like fighting my basic urge to make my favorite moment. Penny Marshall is there. (laughs) Also, I realized like, how dare I say, like mention Paul Haggis as a director and not Penny Marshall. Seriously. Of their own and bit like I, I know I'm canceled. But so Penny Marshall is probably my real favorite moment. My second favorite moment that there's no other like logical place for me to bring up. So I'm doing it now uh, is when Vince says to the studio head, when the studio head says, um, And you'd like me to push back our start date. That's all we're asking. Uh, well, for how long? I got a water tank the size of the Staples Center out on stage five. Who's going to pay my utility bill? <laughs> well, I have a million dollar check. How big of a bill is it? I really like that. So he's like, I want to do the thing I want to do. I'll give you this yep. million dollar check back. I just, I was like, yeah, Vince. Yeah. You bring up a great point in that this episode really kind of highlighted Vince being a businessman around this. I mean, up until this point, he'd kind of just been this pretty boy along for the ride, but he's 
you know, he's haggling with him in the in the meeting over the million dollar check. At the end, he basically tells the guy to go fuck himself, which yeah. is like, which was kind of cool. You said if if I was back on November first, I got a billion dollar franchise to protect. Happy Meals action figures. I can't risk all that having my Aquaman doing three hours of blow in every multiplex in the country. Right? But Alan, I mean, you looked me in the eyes and you said that you do this for me. You gave me your word, Alan. A man is only as good as his word. Vince, it's just business. Not personal. Oh, just business. <laughs> All right, then I want 20 million to do A2, or I quit. <laughs> Nothing personal. Sorry I'm late. Date night with the wife, she thinks I'm getting popcorn, what I miss. He really understands like the value of a dollar in this episode. Like he's like, yeah. I, you know, oh, you're worried about your t- utility bill. Here's a million dollars you can have back. Or like, yeah. oh, you need me to do this movie and you won't let me do what I want. I want $20 million. Like I want 20 of the check you gave me. Or it was just like, uh, I don't know. I mean, maybe there's a mini economics class in Vinny Chase in this, in this episode. Well, you know what this episode did? More than any episode so far in this show, it really gave an inside look into how Hollywood movie star contracts work. Mm-hmm. Where he's getting in the argument in the in Ari's office about how like, well, what if we call Cameron? I can't even believe he's ready to do A two so soon. He's not signed on to do A two. What? He just signed on to do the first one. Then why is Vince signed on for three? That's the way it works with actors. Cameron was the only reason I did the movie in the first place. Who's directing? Michael Bay. Jesus Christ. They're just rushing this thing out. Listen, Vinny, this is what studios do. The thing is a monster hit. They're just trying to take advantage of it. That's all. I just really, I really liked it. It kind of gave me some insight as a 22-year-old kid watching this back in Chicago into how Hollywood worked. Now we know that really well because that type of information is more publicly available. But in 2006, I feel like it wasn't. Yeah, totally. You had to be like a deep, you know, I don't know, movie line reader. What was that? There were like... A deep Entertainment Weekly reader or whatever it was. Uh, yeah, Variety, Hollywood Reporter, all that stuff. Yeah. Not, you know, maybe what most 22-year-old kids in Chicago or other Entourage fans were doing. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Um, I would say my favorite moment is the entire Ari Turtle Johnny Drama lunch at Spago. I, I, I know I'm probably mm-hmm. stepping on favorite Johnny Drama moments, but the entire thing is hysterical. Like, from Turtle, like, trying to, like, level with Ari. I got a two-phase plan. First... 500 CDs pressed and sitting in the trunk of my car. So what, you want me to sell them with you on the promenade? <laughs> you cracked me up, Or. The second phase of the plan is what I need you for. The A&R guys have been calling me all day. I need you to back me with the suits. And then immediately starting to whine as soon as Ari starts pushing back on him. Vince said you were going to come here and listen Vince to me. Said, and... Vince said he'd throw me a pizza pussy because he's famous. <laughs> Whatever you want, Turtle, okay? I will rep you, all right? Next. Impress me, drama. Drama being put on the spot and going on his like. Every small boy has a dream, Ari. For some, that dream is to soar to the heavens as an astronaut. For others, it's to step out onto a Broadway All right, I'll rep you. Really? You'll you'll put me on your client list? If we don't have to stay for coffee, yeah. It was so well done. That way, yeah. It It was almost too easy for both of them. Yeah, well, I mean, it's because they're the friends of... Ari Star client. It made sense now, but yeah. okay. So every week we talk about a bros being bros moment, and I realize that bro is kind of a oddly connotated word here in 2019. So it's really just what were your moments of friendship that you liked the most from this episode? And I think there were some good ones, to be honest. Um, well, my favorite, like maybe not positive friendship, but real friendship, was uh, drama saying, uh, "If it wasn't for me, none of you guys would even be out here. If it wasn't for Vince, none of us would have stayed." Which is like the most nonsensical scorekeeping that friends do. That just sort of yeah. like, here's something that happened eight years ago that I haven't let go of, or like some small thing I did to you that I'll never let you forget. <laughs> like it's just that was like, oh yeah, friends are the worst, aren't they? <laughs> Friends always want credit for things. Like he's like, "Give me some credit." Like you think that credit like stands up for eight years? You're absolutely right. That's that's so honest and so true to like groups of friends. So real. What was what was yours? Well, there's one little moment, and then I, I then one kind of overall moment. The moment when they leave the Warner's meeting and drama's all bummed out. The turtle's been on the phone the entire time. What's wrong, Johnny? This guy's been on the phone the whole time. Vince, I need help. <laughs> he's just so sad and alone without his buddy to talk to. And there's no, like, social media. He can't sit there and check his mentions. Like, he's just got to stand out there while Turtle fields his phone calls. I honestly can't imagine anymore. Like, what would you do? I know. 
I know. And this wasn't that long ago, 13 years. Um, I guess that was kind of a long time. And then the, the last thing is there's a lot of like the boys like racing around in this episode. They're like, they race their Aston Martins off the parking lot. They race to the restaurant. Shotgun. Shotgun? On the meeting. I talked first. Vince. The guy called Shotgun. All right, it's time. Let's go back and get some haggis. Let's do it. Yeah, I got to roll to my meeting, too. Our meeting, and I go first. Not if I beat you there. I call Shotgun! When they park their cars at the valet at Spado, like, Turtle literally, like, false as they're sprinting into the restaurant and it's just i don't know how old i don't care how old you are with any group of friends like there's just that little like weird competitive thing guys girls i don't know if groups of girls are sprinting into restaurants to be the first one in there but i just felt like it was a nice honest moment yeah i definitely feel like i have uh trolled a friend in a in a like similar way i don't i want to run for it but yeah (laughs) yeah you don't want to eat shit in front of a, a restaurant full of people like these guys do you know, I have before and I will again, but it's not my goal. <laughs> Meredith, what was your least favorite moment or moments from this episode? I mean, I think this is just a personal thing, but like, I mean, and it's maybe flying in the face where we talked about earlier, but like, I just, the car stuff, like, I didn't care about, kind of. I like, you know, that like, oh, we're all getting the car and then the cars and powers match and then drama being like, oh, like, if we all show up in the same, same Aston Martin, like, we look cool. It's like, no, no. But okay, well, I'll say, I mean, I don't want to like, force us into the next section, which I apparently have a bad habit of doing, but that go go all over. Go road. My favorite line, even though I hated the car stuff, was drama saying, um Well, we'd be schmucks and jettas and Aston Martins. We look good and independently wealthy. Good point. <laughs> yes. When he is specifically not independently what like he literally just has a car purchase for him. He's like, I look independently wealthy. It's like, oh man, you look like your brother bought you a car. Like you always look literally so, none of you are independently wealthy all of you are living off of your movie star friend that's so funny yeah, I mean, turtle's the only one even getting close close yeah he, he got a 10 grand check for saigon like uh last season and he's probably still he's probably burned through that one pretty quickly i mean that's gone already yeah yeah 100%. that went on weed like in a week yeah. yeah i uh i don't like max ballard as a character he's been mm-hmm. around for too long I didn't love the Max-Ari exchange at the front door. Max's, like, written like he's a surly 26-year-old when he's actually, like, 12. A little early, isn't it, Gold? That's your car, Max? Yeah. It's blocking my driveway. Oh, sorry. My driver must have forgotten to move it. If I give you the keys, pull around for me. Who's in charge of you? I'd like to speak to an adult. My folks are skiing stot. You want to complain about me? You can try my agent or my housekeeper. And as English for ship, but she's home. I don't know. The, it's supposed to be humorous, like that Ari's like met his foe in this mm-hmm. kid. But this is literally three out of the last four episodes he's had to deal with this kid. And I was done with Max. Fortunately, this is the last episode that we see Max Ballard. So I was happy to see him go. Just that whole exchange at the door uh, didn't sit well with me. Yeah, bye, Max. Although I'll say, um, does it almost seem like Max is like, he's got like mini if you crossed Vince and Ari vibes, almost. it's like he, he's got the light eyes and the dark hair like Vince. Yeah. He's sort of got like a cool swagger, but then he's like a little slightly racist dick like Ari is. <laughs> uh, when he's like, my housekeeper doesn't speak very good English, but you can talk to her. Like, you're like, oh, there you are, Ari, like in the tiny Vince body of a baby movie star. Yeah. Maybe they did that on purpose. And that's why they like, that's why Ari hates him so much is because he sees a little bit of himself in oh, Max. Possible. Yeah. What was one of some of your favorite lines from this episode? Um, so, I mean, I feel like they were all drama lines and I basically had to like sprinkle. I, I did make a list. I am like a very, I'm a nerd. And so I like took all the, you know, things quite all right. we were going to talk about and I made a list. Um, I was trying to fill it in. But yeah, I think maybe my favorite line from one of my favorite drama lines, they were all drama lines mostly. But it was about being independently wealthy because it's just like, buddy, that's not what's happening here. Yeah. Yeah. I totally agree. Drama kind of steals the show this episode with his limited screen time. We'll talk about that in a little bit. I want to give it up for Ari. Ari's got some great lines in this episode, too. When my father gave away my car, I was forced to lose my virginity on the back of a moped. What do you want? He also says to Penny Marshall, Jimmy Whitaker is a spoiled prick. You want to hire Max Ballard. He's Dakota Fanning with a dick. So offensive, but so fucking funny, in my opinion. (laughs) Dakota Fanning was like, you know, what she was like nominated for an Oscar back then, wasn't she? I'm almost positive. She's she was it, and now she's like kind of been you know overshadowed by her younger sister. True. 
True. I mean, she was in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, which I just saw. So Oh, yeah. Haven't seen it yet. I'm so excited. Maybe tomorrow. And then this was like kind of prescient and it, because it ended up being nothing. Ari and Turtle are having that phone conversation about how, well, Ari basically says to Turtle, I think your life is about to change, Turtle. And Turtle's so happy and everyone's so happy for him. Atlantic Records called you? Sony and Interscope too. Holy shit. Anyway, tell Vincent he ate 8 o'clock at the Palms with Alan. 8 o'clock at the Palm with Alan. What else, Ari? Just make sure they're on time, Turtle. I gotta go. Wait, Ari? Yeah, Turtle. Are you fucking with me? A little bit. This is sick, right? It is sick. As soon as we sell this stuff with Vince, I'm gonna set up some meetings. Your boy's gonna get a deal. Holy shit. I think your life's about to change, Turtle. And like in two episodes, Turtle's right back to where he was before. <laughs> like, you know, spoiler alert, but the Sidon stuff blows up in his face um, pretty quickly. So I, I, I liked it for like its like positivity and optimism, but it uh, ultimately ended up being nothing. I mean, poor, I mean, you know, guy can't catch a break. I know. Yeah, Turtle can't catch a break. I, I, I'd I, slightly disagree with that. <laughs> He's got the biggest break of all time. 100%. They're still living on Queens Boulevard or whatever, but... Other than, you know, in a micro sense, he also yeah. deserves it more than drama does. He does. And by the end of the show, I don't know, did you watch through? I have seen that, yeah. Turtle is the most wealthy of all of them at the end of the show. Amazing. Because of his liquor company? Because of his liquor company, yeah. That man. That, like, that's weirdly prescient. I guess people were doing that back then, but it feels like now. I mean, when did Clooney get a dose of whatever his... Casamitos? Like... I think that was only like in the last like 10 years. So Turtle, like, predated Clooney? That's yeah. Interesting. And you think about, like, Ryan Reynolds got his gin company, Aaron Paul and Brian Transon just released a uh, Mezcal. Like, oh, yeah. 100%. I mean, that Mezcal should have been a TV show, but whatever, guys. Yeah, what the fuck? Yeah, so they all were inspired by Turtle from Entourage. <laughs> I, they always, they should give him credit. <laughs> that. It was all Turtle. Every week we talked about the music in the show. We have a Spotify playlist called Oh Yeah, Oh Yeah Music. It's in the show notes of today's episode. So go check out that playlist, follow, listen, download, all that good stuff. Meredith, did any songs jump out at you from this episode as being particularly good? I mean, I feel like I just have to give Saigon his credit also because I did not know any of the other songs in the episode, but mostly <laughs> because, you know, he's changing Turtle's life. Yeah, don't do that by Saigon. It's been played before on the show and towards the end of season two when they like discover him. Mm-hmm. I personally like had had enough of Sidon at this point he's in a the majority of season 3a which is what this is like before the writer's strike not to get all fucking nerdy about it but and and just he doesn't end up doing anything besides giving turtle something to do for half a dozen episodes so i think i just like i was tired of hearing Sidon's music um i loved that turtle's ringtone was miss new booty by bubba sparks <laughs> vincent don't stop ringing hello yeah, I represent him. Can I call you back in an hour when I get to my office? Vince, this is getting nuts. You think Ari would talk to me? I was going to say, I was trying to figure out what an outdated ref was because I didn't feel like this episode had that many and mine is just a uh, turtle has a ringtone. Yeah, 100%. It doesn't even put it on vibrate. Yeah. I, I have to say, I'm a person who leaves my phone on and one of my friends called me um, a sound on bitch for doing that. Ooh. And I was so embarrassed that I turned my phone on silent and then immediately lost my phone and couldn't find it. <laughs> I, ringtones make sense. I just, but then he had a ringtone and it was like a tone and not like, you know, yeah. a jangle noise. Yeah. Like now uh, that he'd like downloaded a Bubba Sparks ringtone and was like set yeah. up in his phone. Downloaded the MP3 and then probably like spliced it to the exact moment that he wanted the ringtone to be. Like, oh no, this is the line. This is, <laughs> yeah. This line from Miss New Booty is is the line that encapsulates me personally. Yeah. I mean, dude has time to do stuff like that, so. For sure. Yeah. Um, special shout out, Doug Allen and music producer Scott Venner always end the episodes on classic rock and like 70s, 60s music and, and Fire by Jimi Hendrix playing as mm-hmm. uh, Vince kind of gives Allen the ultimatum and then Ari shows up. Nice, nice touch. Always kind of lights a metaphorical fire under your ass at the end of the episode with these classic rock songs so i like to hear that um i like jimmy yeah that's a very it feels like i mean it's a different kind of classic rock i guess but it feels like a billions predictor somehow yeah billions to me. good reference the billions entourage crossover podcast episode i mean the thing that people have been demanding a showtime hbo crossover made up of finally yeah it's here 
so there weren't the kind of atypical celebrity cameos in this episode that you would see where some, you know, rapper or athlete or musician just kind of like walks through and says what's up to the guys. But there were some pretty big names in this episode that I definitely want to talk about. Do you want to talk about Penny Marshall or Paul Haddis first? I want to talk about Penny Marshall first because I want to talk about Penny Marshall all the time. 100%. I just adore her. And like she, uh, I mean, she was an actress. Like, so she does a great, and she's, great at being penny marshall a skill that more people should have i just loved her like sucking on that straw just you know acting acting her little face off thanks esteban okay hey ariel gold hey penny only my mom calls me that and still i better have a fever of 103 (laughs) how are you okay i was just up seeing one of your guys oh yeah who uh we're looking at jimmy whitaker for the um encyclopedia brown trilogy jimmy whitaker the pride and joy of my young burgeoning teen division Mm -hmm. yeah i tell you what Let's make a deal. You do the whole shamil, shamazel, hasam pepper corporate. He's all yours. All right? Don't be a schmuck, Ari, okay? Yeah, famously, she was Laverne in Laverne and Shirley in the 70s. She received three nominations for Golden Globe for Best Actress. That's, she's, a real, she's the real deal. She does it all. With her directorial debut with Jumpin' Jack Flash in 1986, she became the first female director for, to gross $100 million at the U.S. box office. Woo! Good for her. And then obviously you mentioned it, lead of her own, bid. It's so sad. She just passed away just last year because of a heart failure. And and Ari even says, like, quit smoking. And I don't know if it's directly correlated, but, you know, cigarettes don't help the heart. No, of course not. I mean, I did look. I I Googled how did Penny Marshall die just to make sure it wasn't, like, actively lung cancer or something uh, after after that line. And I was relieved that it, you know, it wasn't as one-to-one, but it certainly wasn't good. I mean... Yeah, she. Uh, you can hear it in her voice. I would have loved to see them shoot that scene with Jeremy Piven, Penny Mar- two like kind of legends. P- Piven in his own right as an actor, her in her own right as an actress and a director, and just them like, uh, was that improv? Was it like you know, you know, like just I would have loved to see them work through that a little bit. Uh, that that'd be something that like if there was a special features edition of <laughs> Entourage, that, that would have been cool to see. Yeah, that uh, to be a fly on the wall of that set. <laughs> And then uh, Paul Haddis. I mean, what a great pull in terms of like amazing screenwriter, director, and like very believable in this role as like the director who is dying to do Median. That's, I mean, he does seem like the correct choice for this. I will say, I thought his acting was perhaps a little bit wooden. Uh, at <laughs> yeah. Maybe not the most naturalistic actor. Also, the moment when he says, like, he had that whole little run of lines about like in this movie i want you to play what i like to call a human being see together i want to humanize one of the greatest monsters of all time what i want is that even after the audience sees you ruthlessly slaughter like a thousand people i still want them to care i I want them to care so much that when you die they fucking weep you know they won't want to they'll hate themselves for it but they will fucking weep i have to do this movie paul he's got a contract a contract? Ah, if I let contracts ruin my life, I'd still be doing the facts of life rather than uh, hanging with my boys. You know, he's been next to his awards for a minute, so it like sort of didn't hit right. Like it was just like, what boys? Oh, these boys. Yeah, he tra- it's tra- kind of supposed to be a mic drop moment for him, but like comes across as kind of strange. Those boys that he's referring to are the Oscars he won as screenwriter and producer for consecutive Best Picture Oscars Million Dollar Baby in 2004 and Crash in 2005. He also co-created Walker, Texas Ranger, and wrote Casino Royale and Quantum of Solace. Incredible. Yeah. I mean, it's wild. He's done a lot of stuff. But I'll also say, like, what I know Paul Haggis from, kind of, is leaving Scientology. So That's right. That's his whole thing. I also, okay, I have to admit, I looked him up because I remember that there were some, like, not-so-great allegations about Paul Haggis. But when I looked it up, it, it, it also said that, like, Scientology defectors like Leah Rem- uh, Remney think that their mm-hmm. allegations are from Scientology. And I'm not saying that that's what happened, but like, wow, Paul Haggis, complicated background. Sure. Yes, yeah, so he's, he's been through some shit. Yeah, there's a lot happening there. Like, read Haggis's Wikipedia entry. It's interesting. Let's spend the rest of the podcast attacking Scientology and see how that goes. <laughs> great. I think this is the thing that'll break them finally. They'll be like, you know what? <laughs> Seems like a long. Let's let's shut down all the celebrity centers. Give everyone back all their money. We're done here. 
let's move on to bad outfit choices this week. Meredith, any thoughts on any outfits that the boys or the tasks were wearing? I mean, I thought about this a lot because this is like sort of my wheelhouse as a former <laughs> uh, fashion editor. I'll say the one that stuck out to me, uh, just because it feels like a thing that we've solved, um, is Turtle's outfit for the meeting with Ari, his untucked shirt. Buddy, I mean, granted, an entire company was created so that men don't have to tuck in their shirts anymore, which is psychotic. Like, the number of things that women have to do are insane, but you guys don't even have to tuck in your shirts anymore. Cool. It's too hard. It's too hard on us. We can't do it. But, like, it just looks so sloppy. And, like, I understand why. Like, I know the, you know, portly gentleman body type or whatever, but, like, it's really Mm -hmm. good. It wasn't a a clean look. Uh, And it just felt so dated to me, too. It really stuck out. Yeah. Well, I mean, and I... I keep saying that I don't want to do this um, category anymore, but then when I have a fashion editor on, I have to talk about it because it's it's important. And it just is kind of unfair to like poke fun at outfits from 13 years ago because like, I guarantee we'll look back at photos of myself and looked terrible 13 years ago. So yeah, I looked like it's that just... 13 years ago. Yeah. <laughs> I wanted to call out though. Um, so for the majority of the episode before like the dinner at the end, Vince is rocking this like red polo, tucked into black pants and black sneakers and and white sneakers and it kind of still goes to me but what's interesting is that did you notice that vince is rocking a french tuck oh my god i didn't think about that but you're totally right 13 years before queer eye made it you know a part of the social media lexicon vince just has the front of his polo tucked in maybe it was supposed to be like oh he doesn't care it's supposed to be messy but like it kind of worked for me i don't know hot guys knew or hot people in general have known about styling like a lot longer than mm-hmm. normies mm-hmm. like any any normies including myself like i do the french tuck now thanks to queer eye thank you <laughs> uh but like yeah they just knew i'll also say that that outfit had sort of um tiger woods vibes because the- oh yeah true yeah that's what it made me think of, but and they mentioned tiger when they're playing golf this is like tiger at sawgrass or it's like my niece at nunley's is what, <laughs> is what he says yeah i think why I was thinking of it but yeah I think just like attractive people have known that like it matters how you wear your clothing for years and just didn't tell us which is like psychotically rude yeah what the hell share that information That's, like they knew all the tricks and then they switch it which is now like we we have this theory that we talk about at work all the time which is basically just that like all fashion is things that hot people can get away with wearing it's not that they look good it's just like oh, it's so hot that I can put on tiny sunglasses and it's like fine and then you yeah. have tiny sunglasses on any normal person they look like hey did something bad happen to you, like, <laughs> did you, did you don't you have a headache yeah. <laughs> like were you in a, a shrink ray or you're larger net like is something wrong anyway so but I find it interesting that of all the I mean, because I'll, I'll be the first to admit, I'm raising my hand here in my little studio. Like, I definitely watched Entourage and went, I'm getting a pair of those sunglasses. I'm getting a suit like that. I, I, I handpicked, like, like different like style choices that the boys did. I, I find it interesting that more people didn't choose the French tuck that Vince was wearing. Yeah. Well, that's, like, it was right in front of us. You buy the shirt and you don't realize, like, how he, you're just like, well, he put it on and then it does happen. Yeah. It's like, no, man, you just, you got to do it yourself. I only just started rolling up the sleeves of my t-shirts a little and i'm like this is my computer. it's wild how would this episode be different if the exact same plot aired today in 2019 i think the thing that's like one of the biggest trips sort of about entourage versus 2019 is that like aquaman seemed funny then sort of and now we would just know like i think even i would know that like a studio wouldn't like you to do certain things if you're in a franchise and that like yep. franchise comes first and that like, of course you're not going to be able to play a Coke dealer. Like yeah. if you are Aquaman and also that Aquaman, <laughs> which one was a fantastic film. Did you see it? No, I haven't seen it, but I've heard enough good things from people who come on this podcast and talked about Jason Momoa's performance. Like, I should watch it. <laughs> honestly, it's, it starts with Nicole Kidman having a fight scene, which is psychotic. Like that's that's crazy. You hear, and then, she's she's on the other side of fifty. <laughs> yeah, and then it's at it like two thirds of the way through the movie, Julie Andrews voices a racist sea monster. <laughs> it was just like I this movie's on drugs. This is on drugs. like yeah. there's no way that ben, Vincent Chase's uh, Aquaman wasn't actually like way more buttoned up than what Aquaman yeah. actually turned out to be. But like we we know so much about franchises now. I just feel like it couldn't have gone down this way. Uh, and the cars would be different, but I don't know what they would be because I have no idea about cars. That's true. They'd, they'd be like Teslas now or something like that, right? They'd be all eco-friendly cars or something like that. I mean, 
Adrian Brenier and even Johnny Drama, like both of those guys, like are, they care a lot about the environment. So like, I think, uh, mm-hmm. I think that's what, something that would have made it into the, into the show. I wonder if Adrian Grenier rewatches episodes. He's just like these gas guzzlers. Like I'm so. <laughs> yeah. He's quite the environmentalist. He's like a mini Leonardo DiCaprio, which is interesting because that's like the role or the actor that they kind of modeled him after, or one of the actors that they modeled him after. So it's funny that he pursued that. Yeah. It's not just Mark Wahlberg though. No, it's not. It's like a combination. The the creator Dodd Allen have said has said it's a combination of Leo, Tobey Maguire, and Mark Wahlberg. Tobey Maguire, that didn't work out. Oh, well, in terms of career, because Tobey Maguire had Spider Man, and then kind of went off to pursue other things, was out of the spotlight for a while. Like we just had a whole episode called "The Movies of Vincent Chase," where we kind of went through and broke down all of the movies that he starred in, and his career is interesting because he does a superhero movie. He does Medean, which bombs, and then he doesn't really have to act after that. He just kind of is in movies, which is what would happen. Yeah. You would become a a billion-dollar franchise, whatever, star, and then you could do whatever movie you wanted and just kind of show up and smile and look pretty, and you'd still keep getting movies because you're just considered the top of the top. That's the dream. That's the real goal of all of us. <laughs> Truly. The thing that I uh, I was like, oh, I wish that were real – was the in the Penny Marshall scene when they're talking about the Encyclopedia Brown trilogy? Like that's oh yeah, that I cannot believe <laughs> hasn't been picked up in real life. Uh, I would watch those shit. Like Encyclopedia Brown was the best. Like <laughs> I want that to happen, and it starts at the Kremlin. Like that's insane. Okay, that's dope. Yeah. Money. Like why are we not doing yeah. this? And it's a trilogy, so it's three movies. <laughs> I mean, honestly, you could go forever. The case of the whatever, the case of the other thing. Like there's so many books. Let's get into it. Let's get Bugs Meanie on screen. Like, I'm ready. Yeah, agreed. The one thing I will say is that the whole idea of Turtle getting Bid Boy to play Sidon's song, that, that that wouldn't happen that way. Like, Vince would, like, yeah. like you know, tweet about it or something like that, right? Like, yes. Hey, Turtle, I tweeted out a, a link. <laughs> yeah, you wouldn't even... Uh, the idea that record companies matter at all is, like, totally yeah. incorrect at this point. But, you know, back then they still did. But, yeah, he would just, like, put them on SoundCloud. Yep. Um, I yeah I guess I could be a music producer now it definitely understands the business yeah Vince would have had four and a half million followers at this point after the success of Aquaman oh for sure who came in this is a, a new category I'm calling it the sixth man award it means that who came in with limited screen time this episode and just kind of made their most of every minute they spent on the screen who was like hot okay I mean I don't know if this person earned this or I just really like her and I and I'm also like to be fair, a little mad at myself that I picked that I like agreed to an episode that didn't have Debbie Mazar in it, which like oh, why, yeah. why would I hamstring myself this way? But uh Constant Zimmer, who is on a show that I loved and then turned out to be terrible, unreal. Uh I just like her line about being like the studio's Vanna White. Like it was just like she needed to get her little like moment in there. Like yeah. she do a lot, perhaps not so much. But I was just happy to see her. I just think she's great. And uh, it's not like, you know, Lloyd was really bringing it in this episode. Yeah, Lloyd Lloyd definitely didn't show up this episode. I, I agree. Like, um, Dana Gordon as a character really evolves, especially this season and onward when, spoiler alert, Alan and Vince and Ari have a falling out. And then towards the end of the show, she's like a main character. She, like, helps Vince tits a bunch of movies. She's She plays it so well. She's so kind of tough. She's beautiful at the same time. Uh, I'm going to show you how we treat family. Dana. like the studios of Anna White. <laughs> <clears throat> really a big fan, and I've said this before, but some point down the road, I do want to either A, interview one of these women, which would be fantastic, or B, just do a, a deep dive into all the, the female roles in Entourage, because I think some of them are pretty underrated. Yeah, I mean, she's fantastic. And, like, giving Debbie Mazar energy in an episode that didn't have yeah. Debbie Mazar in it, like, you, you need a little bit of that. Debbie Mazar took a couple episodes off because she is very pregnant at the beginning of season two. So I'm just using the power of <laughs> biology to predict that she got pregnant, had the tit. She shows up again towards the middle and end of season three. I mean, number one, thank God she comes back. Number two, congratulations, Debbie Mazar. Uh, <laughs> I did watch the TV show that she had her with her husband where they cooked, he cooked food and she like hung out, which was a great show. I don't know if it's still on. Uh, so clearly I really cared about it. But I mean, what a what a racket to be like, I married a chef. I got him a TV yep. show. On that TV show, I just drink wine. 
So yeah, what a flex by Debbie. She's And she would win the Sits Man Award in this episode if she wasn't in it. Because she is like the mother character who kind of like smacks them around a little bit and keeps them all in line, which I love. Yeah, you you need that. Clearly the boys needed that energy yep. here. What did you? Uh, what was your favorite Johnny drama moment from this episode? Um, so my favorite Johnny drama moment for this episode was, I mean, I just love whenever he um, mentions his past roles. And <laughs> I, bulimic pedophile and the commish, like really. But you said you wanted Vince to gain 50 pounds for the part, right? 70. It's more authentic. Right, but you still need him skinny for the early years. Yeah. So you shoot the first half now, before Aquaman 2, while he's skinny. Shoot the second half after he raps when Vince piles on the pasta. Like the Nero and Raging Bull? Like Clooney and Siriana. Or Johnny Chase in the commish. When I played that bulimic pedophile. Do you see that one, Paul? No. I got a lot. You see that one, Paul? Oh. <laughs> and then, and he, yeah, anytime he's like, oh, did you like did you see my obscure like do you I just then he pictures that like Paul Haggis one watched all of the commish uh, <laughs> and then like paid close attention and was like, you know, banking who was in the episode in the back of his mind is just like such a beautiful it's a beautiful hope it's amazing that after all those years in hollywood he keeps that level of hope amazing insight yeah but just bulimic pedophile like why would that even need to be the plot like, is it like he's growing up he like eats too much candy that he buys for the kids and blows it up like he's like oh i was gonna go pedophile today but then i like you know felt triggered and i ate all my candy and then i threw up my candy and then you know at that point all the after school programs were like over and there was no way that, like i want to know the plot of the episode yeah i can see an actor like johnny drama like cutting weight mm-hmm. like pulling like a christian bale for this one like death star role on this tv show from 1992 or whatever it's from yeah. like <laughs> taking it so seriously going to the 10th degree because he's uh he's so committed it's also what's good about it or what's like like an extra layer sort of is that they're talking about actors gaining weight for a role <laughs> And yeah. being bulimic, so like yeah. the character's thin, so yeah. it's actually not even correct or relevant to the conversation. <laughs> like he really just like bent over and was like commish, like it just was there. So good job, buddy. Oh, that's a that's great. That's a great call, Meredith. I I don't think I can top yours. The only other one I will say is they pull up to the house and drama's all butt hurt because Turtle gets a lunch set with Ari. I've been waiting to talk to Ari for five years. I'm an actor with no agent. You know what they say, an actor with no agent is what? Is fucked. He, he clearly started the sentence without knowing how it would end, which I do very often in my professions. So. Oh, sure. Yeah, 100%. <laughs> so we uh, we have a new category this season. You can't deny Ari Gold. What was your favorite Ari Gold moment from this episode? Um, mine, I think, was when he... So they're talking at the beginning about Vince, like, learning Spanish from Indian. And uh, he says, like, I know because he left all these messages on my machine. And then he says, and I can't remember the exact quote, but it's like, it's like seven words or something. He says, all right, Vince really wants to do Medellin. He already started learning Spanish. I know. He left 15 messages on the machine. The wife thinks I'm fucking the gardener. It lets you know so much. It lets you know the following things. I'm wealthy enough to have a gardener. I'm kind of racist about, like, people who speak Spanish. My wife doesn't trust me. Like, I'm probably right not to. Like, it does so much work in so few words. Uh, That's a great analysis of seven words. You know, I'm an editor, so, you know, yeah, about words. But it's like, oh, this is so efficient. Like, what an yeah. efficient joke. Yeah, I guess mine would be in it plays into the fact that he's kind of racist towards Spanish people is when he's talking to his housekeeper and he goes, are you a hundred percent ill certain till it was max? She's just like, yep, just cool with it. Like, yeah, give me that present for Navidad. Yeah. Yeah. You've got a big diff for Navidad coming. Oh. He uses one and a half Spanish words. Really? Yeah. He tried. But it, like, okay. Barring the offensiveness, mm-hmm. it's a great insight into Ari's character. Oh yeah. He's not even going to try. <laughs> he sort of thinks he, he either he like thinks that it's semi acceptable to say Spanish is just like putting the O, o on the end of words and it's just like, yeah, oh, man. Yep. Perfect. It's not like there's any other audience for that. It's just him and the housekeeper. Like <laughs> it's not like there's some guy there being like, "Oh, that already he doesn't like, you know, he's not PC." It's just like in his silence or like in his alone time. As he holds his phone to his ear as he drives across his body. That's actually what I noticed too. Like he's driving with his left hand on the wheel and he's holding his phone with his right hand, holding the phone to his left ear. 
which has got to be the most inefficient and dangerous way to drive with a cell phone. In your terrible. He should be pulled over. Yeah. Every week we talked about who won the episode, and Vince is excluded from this because he wins every episode. He's the A-list movie star. Mm-hmm. So Meredith, who won this week's episode of Entourage? I mean, it's got to be Turtle because he he, was, be. he made progress. Like yeah. you know, technically drama did too, but like mm-hmm. his progress is that like Ari has to say his name versus like you know Turtle's actually coming up in the world. He's his is about to change briefly yep and then and he gets an aston yeah. martin yeah and yeah he gets it all in this episode and he like puts on a, it was a terrible outfit but he puts on a dresser outfit he changes out of his uh sweatsuit it's like yeah wrapping up here last two questions every week we talked about uh the episode was it an a-list episode a b-list episode or a d-list episode and we can div minuses and pluses i think i'm gonna go b i think it was like sort of a plot setting episode it's like mm-hmm setting up that Vince and the studio are going to be at loggerheads. It's like setting up or, you know, and cleaning some stuff up, like getting rid of Max Ballard. And then like, uh, but it didn't feel like there was no sort of like set piece that was really, I don't know that there was like, you know, the funniest scene was like the, uh, the lunch scene. And it was like, that's a good scene, but it's not like a standout season defining theme by any stretch. Yeah. And you're right. Set pieces are important to the show. And then like, crazy awesome hysterical lines or like Ari drama moments are, are kind of iconic to the show and and there weren't really any but yeah if I can go back the last two episodes have been uh episodes with Dom their friend from New York who comes in and kind of fucks everything up so this yeah, was a nice what's that it's Herc from the wire that's correct Dominic Lombadarzi um who me myself and Will DeFreeze who I had on for episode three kind of determined like he's kind of comes in hot but like does the job he's supposed to come in and kind of disrupt the uh uh what's the word i'm looking for disrupt the equilibrium the equilibrium of the show thank you and the equilibrium of the crew so like he did a good job but so this episode is the first without him we're getting rid of matt's ballard it's very much a reset episode but i thoroughly enjoyed it i really liked you know the aston martin stuff is cool i I liked the uh the lunch so i'm giving it a b plus i think that's fair i mean i was like Oh, I sh- did not know that I had asked that I'd like, you know, requested an episode where like the cool rich person thing that happens in it is cars. Yeah. A lady who lives in New York City just like could not be personally less interesting to me. I'm like, you know, buy a pool, buy <laughs> a lot of, but like, I don't know, buy, like buy some other, like even buy a plane, whatever, man. Yep. Oh, yes, they do have that engine that does. It's, it's a V and then probably a number. <laughs> it's very exciting. Oh, everyone needs to get a license plate. Like, I don't know. I don't it's just not <laughs> last question meredith and it's an important one yes. in your life's entourage which character are you the closest to um so i mean i thought about this a lot and it's like <laughs> i have said before and i hope this i hope that no one is you know offended by this parallel i think it's a compliment but like entourage to me is sex in the city for boys yeah um because i'd agree of, like, with that yeah i mean like instead of like you know bags and puns you have like cars and dick jokes and it's just like a very neat <laughs> corollary so i was like okay i know in my life that i'm a miranda <laughs> the fact that i know uh which i guess makes me but like so is e the carry or is vince you know i think I'm <laughs> e with like turtle like e because i'm super neurotic turtle rising because i smuggle a bot uh and then maybe like i have a i have an unnecessarily aggressive streak that i think might put me it with like you know an Ari Gold Moon or whatever. Wow. Yeah. I think of it I as like a logical sign. But I mean, I couldn't just like, if it was one to one, and also because Debbie Mazar wasn't in this episode, I just like <laughs> Debbie Mazar. I don't even know her first name and I refuse to learn it because she's just playing Debbie Mazar as far as, as far as I'm concerned. But Shauna. You know, in her absence, in Shauna's absence, I, E, Turtle Rising, Ari Moon. That's what I have. To I love it. I love the like combination. Most desks, you know, I have a lot of male desks on the you know, I mean, Unfortunately, it sucks. <laughs> I'm just like, okay, cool. That's probably the first answer we've had in about 12 episodes that wasn't just straight up, I'm the E of my friend group. So I'm glad to hear. Probably the, because like, you know, what human person would ever, well, has anyone ever said like, I'm a drama? I have actually. I had a, I had a podcaster from Barstool Sports on and he said, I'm kind of the guy who makes all the one-liners and is the, the funny man um, in my group. And so, and he's a little older or something. So that made sense. I've had a comedian or two come on and say that they're the Vince to their friend group because of their access to cool stuff. Oh. But they would say that their personality is more E. 
but most people are E because he's the most down to earth relatable character, I think. Yeah, he's like a normal human. He's like kind of the, you know, what is it? Like Mary Sue of Under- Yeah, like, exactly. Imagine yourself. Because, I mean, he's build Kevin Conley's build first, which I still think is like a trip. Uh, yeah. But they're like, no, this is actually the main character of Entourage. If anybody read Fraser Tharp, who was a guest on the show, he wrote a really deep dive into the uh, casting and production of the Entourage pilot. Kevin Connolly was the hardest one to get. He was very out on this role, this idea. He is basically was retired, and they kind of drew him back in. And, and then looked at his life now. He's a uh, re- reborn, I guess. That's wild, because like, what? I mean, what did he been on? Like, unhappily ever after, or whatever. And then, like, is that it? He'd been in a bunch of movies and a bunch. He'd been like a child star, so I think he made his money early. He also is a close friend of Leonardo DiCaprio. So. Oh, he's in the Pussy Posse. That's right, and he probably was very content living a turtle like. I'm not trying to yeah. compare Kevin Connolly directly to a turtle, but like I'm sure he was very fine living his in his friend group as he was. Yeah, I mean, I I always think of him besides this as as from that show Unhappily Ever After, which do you yep. remember that show. I do remember. I mean, like I read the Wikipedia entry not that long ago because I was just like, what was that show? Was that like a fever dream that I had as a child? Like when I was was watching Married with Children and then got sick? Like what happened? But (laughs) the plot is insane. It's like this man is miserable. So he like talks to a bunny and like, I think eventually he kills his wife. Like, or might not happen. It was actually, I think another TV show that was like more similar and even more upsetting where the guy ended up killing his wife. But uh, it was a bleak ass show, and like I mean, that's what Kevin Connolly's, you know, acting background was. So it seemed like he was pretty, uh, pretty lucky to be on Entourage. Uh, like, I agree. In you know the beginning of HBO's heyday and everything. Yeah, and he now owns a sports bar in West Hollywood that he hangs out and watches Islanders Islanders games at. Like he, he's living his best life, I think. That is the most Long Island thing I've ever heard in my life. Yep, Kevin, if you're listening, come on the show. Let's talk about Entourage. Come on the show. <laughs> Meredith, this was a lot of fun. Thank you for joining to talk about Crash and Burn. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. Where can the listeners of Oh Yeah, Oh Yeah follow you? Um, I am on Twitter too much. Um, my handle <laughs> is at many, many words because I made it, you know, when I still thought that the internet should be anonymous. Whoop. <laughs> um, so yeah, that's where all of my thoughts go. It's horrifying. Actually, don't follow me there. You just, you wouldn't like it. You're real flagging. <laughs> Well, we'll have to have you back. I think it's clear that like, you're an Entourage fan, and like maybe we'll have you back later on when it's an episode that you're not as familiar with or that you haven't seen, and then we can get your reaction to that. Oh, like a completely blind. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I haven't seen this one since 2000. What, whatever, 2006. My God, yeah, just a cool 13 year gap. Yep. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> well, thanks for joining. I'll talk to you soon. Yeah. Thank you so much. Yeah.